Hello, this is Michael Henry Harris. I'm head turkey at Pinecone Turkey. And if you're expecting your usual episode of the Origin Story podcast, I've got a surprise for you. Actually, I guess it's not much of a surprise as we've been threatening to do this for <laughs> several weeks now. Uh, but this is the first one. So this is the first one of I, what I think we're going to call... Uh, what are you working on? But I think that's a horrible name, so hopefully we'll come up with something better. But this is the podcast where Will Haraway, a uh, musician and uh, songwriter, uh, who you probably heard on the last episode of the Origin Story podcast, this is where we are finally getting together to work on a couple of different projects. Will's working on some songs, and uh, you'll hear all about that during the podcast. And I'm working on a novel which you will also hear about during the podcast. So this is the idea of the origin story of two pieces of, uh, of work, uh, songwriting and novel writing, and uh, kind of tracking our progress as we go through those. It's designed to entertain, uh, inspire, uh, educate. Hopefully somebody will avoid making the mistakes that we're going to make uh, by listening to this. That's kind of the idea. So, uh, without further ado, I think we ought to just probably get into it. We're kind of feeling our way out about it, but I think we find a nice rhythm, and uh, hopefully it'll be entertaining and uh, a good time. I know Will and I had a good time doing it. So, here is the first. Enjoy. <coughs> Welcome to the basement, Michael. Yeah, I love the basement. Can you hear me? I can hear you, and you are the microphone. And the people can, can hear, hear you. me. The people should be able to hear you. Beautiful. Uh, describe, describe, describe what's around us here, because I'm not going to get all the words. Okay, right. this is the music room at the Haraway House. So we are surrounded by at least six amps. Um, we have a Fender uh, Blues Junior right to my right that is plugged in, but we have several guitars. We have two bass amps. Um, we've got acoustics, we've got electrics, we've got two drum kits, one adult drum kit and one kitty drum kit. Ridiculously we, cute kids. Very drum cute kits. Ludwig drum kit, which you should buy for your child. We've got a couple of baffles. We have a lot of posters. What's a baffle? Well, the baffles are those, you know, I know we're on radio here, but they're, they're, they're basically big squares that keep the music in and and into the room. So where would those be like on a like a concert venue or would they be or is that just a studio nah, thing? It's mostly a studio thing. You just do it to separate when you set up the recording stuff. The whole thing that guys are trying to do is not get bleed into the other microphones. Oh yeah, that's what we yeah, right? we just, we just talked about, about that. Yeah, so you, I mean, it's fine because it's all rock and roll or whatever, but but that's the idea is that so cuz if the drum mics bleed into the vocal mic and you're trying to get a vocal take, then it's going to be weird when you go back and try and... Try to edit it out completely. Edit, yeah. Long-time yeah. listeners to this podcast will recall hearing many echoes as the first few episodes as I realized, like, I had to make sure that somebody pointed the microphone, like... Right there. You know, like, where the, the butt end of the microphone is facing towards the other person speaking so that it doesn't pick up, because I tried, you know, you try to edit it if you have yeah. to, and it's all hell and difficult. Um, I was expecting to see... And maybe it's just as like from voiceover stuff, the um, like those eggshell things yeah. that are on the walls. Now, what would what would that it's do? The, or the, is all the of that thing? is just to suppress sound, mostly you know, just to suppress sound. And 
Uh, my wife has not asked me to do that yet, so I seem to be all right uh, with the sound that we're making down here. So how many people will we be able to get into this room when you do your like uh, open mic venue thing at their apartment? I mean, their house. <laughs> In this particular room? Yeah. I think we would get a total of about five people. I probably should have mentioned a, that earlier. Be, be yeah. about as many as we could. But yes. then we could have people out in the living room, maybe. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Out, in the, out in the room here. And they could be listening. That's almost like the room, like where, uh, like in the movies, where everybody's like doing blow and like wearing bikinis yes, and stuff and smoking yes. cigars, and you're in here working hard. Well, this and I'm is like, this is ideally, and it is uh, a studio. That's why we have the, you know, we have the the uh the, the ping pong table because the thing about studio work is there's a lot of downtime you know there really is when you're trying to get the drum tracks and there's just there's just a lot of downtime so the other guys need something to do yeah and so that's why the ping pong table's here oh uh-huh, yeah yes that's indeed. the same way that's the same way for film uh, right well certainly if you're an actor and you're there's a lot of sitting around. There's a lot of sitting around, man. So you need you need stuff. But yeah, this is this is my room, and it's my favorite room in the house. And I I give my wife full credit when she showed me this house. This is the to to for us to you know to be serious in it. This is the first room she took me to. No kidding. Yeah, she's like, and this can be your music room. She and knew how like, to sell it. So like, yep, you're right. This could be my music room, and it and she was right, and it is. So the equivalent for me, and this would need to be. Maybe twice or three times the size. I would love like a small little black box theater to play oh, around yeah. in and to put a play as and just have, you know, two rows of seating all around the outside and just have it like in the middle. Yeah. And I, I have I have strong fantasies about a black box theater in my backyard. Uh, or it's a great idea. And this is and why am I saying or? I'm fantasizing. Why not yeah. why not both? Both. Uh, a little tiny little amphitheater. Just a little, like, little, little, sloping. S- little terraced seats yeah. sloping to there and be able to do some Shakespeare plays in the summer. Oh, man. Wouldn't that be fun? Yes. I love it. Or, or, <laughs> or a show. You could do a rock show in there, too. That's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. True, 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 true. Yeah. Uh, Anything could be a venue. That's right. We've got plans. Uh, for the people who might not know who you are, will you give us the 90-second who is Will Haraway? Yep. I am Will Haraway. I've been... Uh, playing music since I was a kid, although uh, professionally probably in college um, with my brother, uh, and we had several failed bands in college, and then when we both moved to Atlanta, we started the Sundogs, and we've been doing that for something around 17 years, um, and uh, writing good songs, and writing bad songs, <laughs> and uh, playing good shows, and... Um, I'm not going to say bad shows, but uh, some shows are better than others. But but recently, most of them are pretty damn good. I'm there proud go. to say. Yeah, I love that. And I'm uh, I'm Michael Henry Harris. Uh, oh, and for more about Will, uh, hopefully you've already listened to the last episode right. of this podcast, which was uh, a much more in depth uh, conversation with him. Uh, but I'm an actor, a writer, I guess a, you know a director. Though I haven't directed in a while, a producer. Uh, mainly theater as a background for the arts. You a know. manager. You've definitely managed. Yeah. Yeah, definitely managed. Yeah. Definitely managed. And uh, now I guess podcast host and producer. Beautiful. But, uh, you know, we thought of, we've talked about this before on the on the podcast, but the point of this is just to, you know, to create some new stuff and to see how it goes. And we've had an email or two and a text or two, yeah. but really we thought we'd also kind of hash it out here. So it's not just the birth of a song or a book. It's also the birth of this 
kind of podcast series and, That's and, right. how, and how we figure it out. Um, you've had some gigs recently. Yeah. One I got to see, one I didn't get to see. Yeah. You, you want to talk about either one of those? Yeah, thank you for coming. And that that's funny because those are both great juxtapositions, actually, because, uh, you know, that Eddie's Attic gig that you came to was a lovely gig to do, but it was just hell trying to get people to come to it. You know, it, it is the middle of the week and uh, early January. Ask, is, that what, is that what it is? Is it is, was a Wednesday or Thursday and it's you know, cold? Th- and Thursdays are normally good up there. It was funny... I wanted to do that. That it, I wanted. I knew that that act would be so good at Eddie's, and, and I wasn't wrong. I mean, it, it sounded good, and, I've, and I've, I've given. I've been given the recording. I mean, whatever. I'm not trying to, you know. You it felt good doing it. it You've also heard it, it now too. Yeah, I've heard it. They record everything at Eddie's, and they give it to you. Which oh, is, that's isn't awesome. that lovely. Yeah, uh, it's really great. A lot of people have released those as albums. As a matter of fact, oh, live a lot at of Eddie's, people man. have done that. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, but yeah, I, I I should have been a little, you know, I end up beating myself up on stuff like that uh, when those things, because just for the people at home, I think we had, as as I recall, thirty five tickets sold, I believe, which which is not terrible, but you know, it it does it is a little disappointing, you know, yeah. when you're the when and it is a small business, you are trying to make it all work and make sure everybody gets paid equitably and the the whole bit i mean you know because you do a small theater these are the things you have to think about yeah completely and yeah. what uh, so it, are the light situation at Eddie's where you can see the audience oh sh- out of there? course i can see everybody it's okay well, a lot of times in, yeah. in some plays that i do you can't you just you, oh okay you have a yeah, general, yeah no now, yeah a lot of times a stage manager or a producer sometimes for the good and sometimes for the yeah. bad will be like all right it's a really light house so you know and there's usually a, like you know, and it's like dot dot dot. Yeah. It's like so you know what? So I know that nobody came. So I know that I need to like try to you know f- like schmacked a little bit instead of acting to well, to pick up the energy. It, like it it can be good or bad. Yeah. Happening out there, and it can be good or bad also to know that it's happening there. So well, it was helpful, honestly, to see everybody because like especially not to I mean you're sitting right in front of me, but honestly like I saw you come in. You know what I mean? Like I saw Eric come in. Right. You know, it was like, oh, that's nice. You know what I mean? It was like, I've got some friends here. This is this is gonna be this is gonna be good. And then like some more people trickled in, and then you're like, all right, this is this is manageable. You know what I mean? Like it's this is yeah. this this will work. Um, we but, had a ball, and yeah, you're right, I, it did. It sounded great. Thank you, sir. It just made me want more people to to be there yeah. to experience it. But it's funny with with music business stuff. You know. I, I remembered that he kept throwing out dates at us and it was always like a Sunday or like, you know, and I, I get it. They have a lot of national acts that come through there. They really do, you know, a lot, and, and it, so, so it's hard to fit in like the local right. dudes. I get it totally. So it was fine. So like, I remembered what I told him was like, Hey, you know, give me any Thursday. I don't give a shit when it is. <laughs> yeah, Just yeah. go f- into your calendar. And I think this was in like July or August. You know, we had just been going back and forth so long. I was like, I don't care when it is. Just give me a Thursday. You could say it's March next year. Just make sure it's a Thursday and we're good. And he said, January 10th. And I was like, fine, we'll take it. And then, like, as we got a little closer to it, I was like, ooh, that's going to be a lousy day. And then we walk up, like, to, to, to sound check. 
and we find out that the bar isn't going to be open outside, you know, where everybody hangs out. Right. And they, like they film it. And if you're at the bar, you can see uh, the, you know, you can still see in the music room and none of that was happening. And That's I was a like, bad sign. And right? I was like, oh, this is going to be a rough one, baby. Right. And you get a feeling, you know. Of course. You know how these things go. But um, do you know what they like? How many people do they have to bring in to like call it a break even night or something? Yeah, like that, it's, or it's about bar? 65 or 70. Something okay. like that. So we were about halfway to to mediocre yeah. <laughs> dude it's such a bad feeling like i did a sucks. Uh, i did a one-man show oh yeah which you know and luckily thank god it was not one of those one-man shows yeah. where like you're going around playing like multiple characters and that kind of thing it was just one monologue delivered and uh brian cox is the guy who delivered it in the first production and oh my god that guy's amazing yeah he's so, he's so yeah good. so that was not good to see or hear that he had done that but one, uh, and it was like a 10.30 show. So it was like after, like they had like an 8 o'clock play or musical. I don't remember which one. Was this in New York? No, this was here. In Atlanta? What, which theater? Uh, this was on, on stage Atlanta, which at the time was uh, where the uh, new Walmart is over here in Decatur, Church Street. That oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on. And uh, they had two spots. And this was a groovy little little dark theater, a uh, little small theater that I've, I've acted at, written for, and directed for. And I, it's, I love it. The little, little, little venue. But damn, if there weren't seven people there, man, and one of them was my friend and his girlfriend, now wife, and dang it, if she wasn't asleep with her head on his shoulder, <laughs> <laughs> and so, and I'm really close. Like I get at some point, I get like about as close. We're like five feet away. That's about five to ten feet is about where I am to the audience, and I am working my butt off, oh, you know, sure. by myself on the stage, trying to, you know, relate the story. And there was, I wouldn't call it intricate blocking. Right. You know, and blocking is just where you go on stage. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sorry. You're but telling it was, it for uh, the audience. But yes, yes. This is not insulting your No, no. Blocking is I was insulting y'all listening. Be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Insult their audience. Right, exactly. <laughs> so just in case somebody didn't know, that's what blocking is. And so, you know, it's one person on stage. There's a chair. Maybe there's a couple other little, like, I guess, stations, you know, you could kind of go to. So, you know, just, you know, walking and talking sometimes hard, you know, so that. And yeah. then I'm watching her, you know, just take uh, a great nap. Um, it's hard it's hard out there when there's not very many people in there and you know actors we get so I feel like we're more prima donna than maybe like the average working class actor or who hasn't made it but is struggling to make it I think has more air of pretension and divaness and I mean diva non-gender specific on that uh, than I would imagine your average hardworking musician or singer could be. I feel like we're think more like you got a little. I'm not bit, gonna do that. You got a little bit of all of it though. But you know that reminds me of. Uh, I don't, have you seen the? Sh- have you seen the HBO show Barry? I have not. Oh my god! It's that's I'm a aware lot of, of it. You really have to watch it, Michael. It's so exactly. It's small because because Barry joins an acting class and all of the actors just think they're great. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> I, it's so good. That might be one of those. You need to check it out. It's, so. My son, uh, when he, we would watch something on TV and it would, um, somebody would get in trouble, like the kid would get in trouble yeah. in like the Nickelodeon show or whatever. Like that would stress him out so much that he would like get up from like the ch- the couch or the chair and go behind the couch to kind of hide. Oh, that's like, funny. From it. And so Peggy and I, we do that all the time now too. And that's what we say too. Like, like, I'm, like I'm going behind the couch. I can't, I can't deal with this. That's I funny. Can't, can't it's like, I think I would be going behind the couch all the time during that show. You, I don't think I could make it. Dude, it's, it, you, you, you absolutely would because you would <laughs> recognize so much of this thing. It's so good. And, and it remi- it's funny you say that. I, 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 everybody loves Curb Your Enthusiasm, but I, I never watched 
more of like half of the I got through maybe the second season because I would just I would hide my face. I would get so uncomfortable for all the things that were going on with Larry. I was like, oh, I can't do it, Larry. And people love that. and that's the whole reason people love some of these shows like that. And that's just makes but you feel I uncomfortable. Can't. I just I know. can't do it. I think that's the same thing. <laughs> but so, but you were you were asking it was it was funny like just as as a comparison. So then we go down to that 30A Songwriters Festival, which was literally a week later, you right. know, like one week later after that. And, and, and that was sort of a joke. I was like, well, this show kind of blew, but, you know, we've got four next week, so you know, it should be all right. <laughs> and, uh, and it was amazing, man. It was amazing. It was so great. You Tell know. me about that whole setup and the venues and all that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, we played two band shows. One was a Sundog show. And again... It was odd because my brother was not there. His wife was having a baby, so he couldn't go. Oh, he's right. normally there. So what we did was we uh, we brought in Bradley Cole Smith and Nelson Nolan, who are our two good friends, and we're like, hey, we all just kind of be part of our band for the weekend, you know? And of course, and we kind of shared some songs and figured out how we were going to do it. Um, we haven't done very many shows without Lee. I can't recall any that. In the with John, with John Harris playing with us at the same time either, so, so it was it was a, it was odd. It's probably much better without him, right? <laughs> well, it was different, you know. Uh, it was different, and it was it was, but it was fun. Like because I was down here that week, I was down here like working out. Like, all right, what am I going to do different? What, what do I'm? How am I going to sing these differently? How am I going to play differently and able to sing some of the songs that he sings? Um, and, and, and it really worked out great, man. Um, we just sort of, John and I just sort of divided it up at this little place called AJ's this, uh, the, the, the first night. That was totally cool. And what we did was we brought out, um, we did our whole set and our set went great. And there was a really nice crowd. I mean, like, uh, I don't know, 200 folks. I mean, a really nice set of folks. That's and great to hear. One week later than the 35 night. That's <laughs> insane. So uh, where on the beach was it? Like, so that's in Grayton Beach. So it's over by the Red Bar. Okay. You know, it's the way it's kind of divided up. But what we did was we had this friend of ours uh, to kind of punctuate the ending. We have this friend of ours who, um, his name's Rob Jordan, and he is a legitimate, like, can do Elvis, like, can absolutely do it. Okay. Like, with, the, he's got a suit. I mean, he's got... He, it's Old, a, fat, or young, skinny? Young. Kind, well, he himself is in good shape and is in his, I don't know, late 40s or whatever, but, but I guess so he would be like middle-aged Elvis, too. He but he's in good shape. But he's got all these moves, and like so, we learned "Burning Love," and we learned "Suspicious Minds," and we learned "Polk Salad Out," "Polk Salad Alley," and we just brought him out at the end, and the place went crazy. Oh my god! And we and I had so much fun doing it. Like if you've ever heard those songs, like because I was playing bass on it, and those songs just they're so bouncy and fun, and they're just fun, and like the crowd loved it, and we love, and we were having the best time, and he was just he was Elvis. I mean, he's got dude. The moves. We need we need Atlanta show. Oh this. my god, need... it was unbelievable. And then we just ended it. And 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 there are few times when you, I've been at shows when you can feel the buzz. You can just feel the buzz. Like they wanted us to do so much more, but it was legitimately though all we had because Lee wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. We had worked it out, and then we brought Elvis in to kind of sh- you know like. Once we do this, we have to be over because you can't follow Elvis. It's like it's easy, right? You can't yeah, where, follow, where do you go from there? You can't follow Elvis. So, but you could feel it like as soon as we ended, like you could hear the crowd just like buzzing. It was like you know, dude, what a great feeling cool. that was. I mean, be. that was a, that was great. So that was night one, and then night two was the petty thing, which was 
fun, kind of. It was a little chaotic. I mean, it was like so many people because it's the end of the day. So y'all did a, a Petty Tribute we show too? We did the Petty Show, yeah, the next night at the same place. But the way it sets up is like that's the first day of the festival, and the festival starts at like noon or whatever. So it's Thursday or Friday? Like it's Friday. Day? Friday. So it starts at like noon, and everybody is like, you know, going to shows and jumping to shows all day. And, and, and ours is the only one without any competition. So if you're still up and you're still wanting to see music, it's the only place you can what go to. What time does it start? 11 o'clock. Oh my God. So you got, oh crap. Right. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So what you end up with is, and I don't remember the total count, but there had to have been 450, you know, wasted people in this tiny little beach bar and the stage is low. And we joked about it the year before when we did it. That's like, it's like being on Altamont. You know what I mean? If you've ever seen the Altamont movie where they put the stones on the smallest little stage. Oh, I and it's just Well, it's, it just means people are just like... They're right there. They're just right on top of you, you know? Oh, my God. And, and so in our ambition with Lee not being there, the way that we decided we were going to handle Lee not being there was to give away his songs to all the guests, artists that we could get to come and play. Oh, that's a great idea. In theory, it was, <laughs> and and in practice, it was, and, right. and it, you know, until it wasn't, or no, was no, it, it was, what just, was the negative. What's well, the, the only negative is like, um, me and John uh, were like, sort of like all night, just sort of, just you, you would play, you would get to the middle of a song. And then start thinking about like, all right, now we got to get this guy up on stage, and how do we do that? Oh, and it was yeah. like not logistically, you can't be present. How to make it work? And like, so our, our manager Martha, she didn't even see one note of our show. She was outside wrangling the guests, and the they're whole drunk, time. they're high, they're like, they, you know, yes, like yeah. they've been partying. If they're exactly, gig ended they're fired, too. Oh yeah, and they were, and 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 a lot of them showed up not knowing what they were getting themselves into necessarily. Right. Like uh, it was Chris Stills, Stephen Stills is. Uh, son, who we had never met before, but he wanted to do You Wreck Me, you know, when we were happy to, just like, sure. Yeah, why not? No problem. You know, we'd love to, you know, I wasn't familiar with his music or anything, but I certainly know his dad's music and I've listened to it since and it's really cool stuff. And he was just a gentleman and great and fun. Um, but you know, like uh, th- that was a good example. You know, he, he I think he showed up not knowing he's going to get into, it, and he's like, "Oh, all right, this is going to be a good time." Well, you guys can play. Let's do this. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so uh, all of that was just sort of in our minds the whole time. But we had some really, like that was a. There was some really cool moments of, of 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 grace like that. Like he was really good, and Elliot Bronson was really good, and uh, uh, Aaron Lee Tasman was was really good. You know, th- th- all these guys that we had sort of. Just, just sort of networked our way into being like, what well, do y'all want to do with Tune? And, and you know, using Twitter and just, you know, uh, just kind of word of mouth type stuff. But, but probably the biggest thing was at the very end, uh, our manager Martha had met these guys out uh, at one of the cruises, like the Kayamo cruises, and they're called the War Entreaty. Okay, so and, and I had never heard of them before Martha mentioned to them. Okay, she she mentioned them to me and. Uh, and I looked it up on on Napster and 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 pulled it up to listen to it and and I was like and immediately you can tell how good they are it's like a husband and wife team church singing type stuff just you know immediately you can see it and I pulled them off on YouTube and then it was like obvious it's like oh my god these guys are amazing and she's like well, what song should I tell them to do I was like free falling free falling give them the best song give them the, the oh, best song. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and we weren't gonna do it anyway because that's in Lee's range and okay. 
we can't sing that song the way he can sing it. So there was no point in doing it unless something like that happened. Right. Where you had like some, some really spectacular, talented people to do it. And so like, uh, she hooked that up and, and got them there and, and we, we orchestrated it. So that was not the last tune, but towards the end. And, uh, we met them as they walked on stage and I still hadn't heard him sing before. And they get up, they get on, and we start it. We decide we're going to do. We had this other arrangement that we do. We're like, no, 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 let's just do it as straight as we possibly can, and just let them take it. Yeah. And I mean, as soon as uh, Michael uh, opened his mouth, uh, Michael Porter Jr. is his name, and his wife's name is Tanya. And as soon as he opened his mouth, and you, and I'm sitting there, and it's coming through the monitors, and it's just like, I just, it, I, I can't describe it. It was chilling. Like it, it, it was like hearing Al Green sing, you know, it's amazing. Oh and you'll, God, when you I listen to him now, and if you're out there, if you know what I'm talking about, you'll know. Um, it, but you can go check it out. Uh, it, it, it was just amazing. And, and uh, the, the, the two of them, they, they sort of reinvented the song. And we're just back there. And I know there's videos of it. And I'm just like laughing with joy. Oh, what a feeling, man. <laughs> just laughing with joy the whole time. Well, and it turns out we went and saw their set a couple of days after. And they were, they were fantastic. But they're going to be here at the Fox. And guess who they're opening for? Al Green. Oh, shut up. Really? Yeah. They're, le- they're a wonder, like these guys. They're going to be super, they're going to win Grammys and be superstars. Oh, my God. I, I wish amazing. I could bet on their, you know, like a stock or something. Right. It's happening. I mean, you don't see that. That's absolutely amazing. But so I'm so, I'm envious of um, musicians in that you, you can do that. You've got this skill. You, you guys are, uh, know a lot of the same repertoire, you know, if you're in a genre, you know, or, or, yeah. or are good enough to, Listen and figure it out and then join in and kind of go along and play. Well, these guys had, just as an example, I'm sure they had been listening to it maybe minutes before coming on, or you know, but that they had the lyrics written out, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, you know, like Michael had them on his, in his, uh, Michael taped them to the monitor, which is something I would do too. Mm-hmm. You know, he taped it to the monitor so he didn't have to hold them, but Tiny was kind of holding them. And so they were kind of figuring it out as they went, to be yeah. honest, I think. Which uh, well, is, I love that. There's, there's not really. It was an really acting. cool, man. It's like everything that you and I have been talking about. It was like, it was nothing worked out. You got to see their creative process happening as it happened, and you got to see our reaction to it. I mean, it yeah. was. And the, uh, I'll send you the video. It's funny. Like we are just like, just amazed. And uh, our drummer Kevin Leahy. After I've watched it four or five times, but Kevin just set them up so well the whole time. I mean, just as far as making it super dramatic. Right, uh, and which is what the drummer can do, you know. And uh, I don't know. It was just, it was great. It was, it, it, it was, but it was one of those things. Just the whole night, we're at the end of it, you know. I, I, somebody asked me like, "Was that fun?" And I was like, "Yes, yeah, kinda, kinda fun." A stressful as hell, too. <laughs> really glad it's over. I think I hung out for two hours because I hadn't had a beer until whenever we ended, which was like one. I hadn't had a single thing. To, I'd drink, been drinking coffee just to keep sharp. Oh, my God. To I make bet. sure I kept everything together. And by the end of it, I was like, yes, give me all the beers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you, well earned. So there's no, there's no like acting equivalent really to that, to, to like just jumping in. Now, sometimes in improv. Right. I've like just got jam sessions. So like somebody will get up there and you'll start, you'll do some, like some basic improv stuff. And that's pretty fun. Yeah. But that's, that's the closest thing. I was taking a script analysis class and the, yeah. the teacher was, she was a director mainly and uh, taught uh, script analysis as well. And she was like, so you actors can just grab a script and play. And that we can do. 
but it feels it feels a little different. That doesn't seem that different, I, honestly. I mean, it, I think that's pretty similar. I guess you know? we don't do that that often, though. And I feel like musicians jam all the time. Actors don't just sit at the bar and then whip out a play. Well, it depends. You know, if you're all getting together, and that's another thing about uh, that weekend is that we ended up having a a house that my my friend Nelson uh, had had orchestrated where he set up a bunch of gear, and so the last couple nights we would go back and play, and then by the last night we got. All the people that had been like Chris Stills came and hung out, and uh, God, who else? The, the, uh, the, these Irish dudes that we had met somewhere along the way. That um, are y'all going to do it next year? Oh, dude, I, they'll have to kick us out of that thing. I'm, I would I'm going never, next year. I would never not do that show. I mean, never. You know, like it, it's it's wonderful, and, and, and you know, so the next two nights we did acoustic shows. One of them was just me and John. You know, where we get to do an hour of our stuff, and that was that was wonderful. I mean, the, the audiences, and just think about this for you. Like, what would you say if I told you that an audience is coming? They have no idea who they're going to see, but they are committed to giving them a chance. Number one, and to being quiet while they give them a chance. Number two. How would you like that audience, Michael? Yeah, that'd be amazing, right? That, that doesn't I mean, happen very that's often. Every audience for those acoustic shows there that's incredible they are they're like i don't know who this is necessarily but everything else here has been good i've paid my money to be here i'm gonna sit here and be entertained if they will entertain me right i will give them a chance i will take it you know that that doesn't happen very often in the theater world that's amazing It doesn't happen very often in the music world either man i mean i hear that happens in europe but i've never played in europe so i couldn't tell you but you know that's the thing that's so different about it is like, and, and for for me, it's 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 it just intoxicating. I mean, uh-huh. like it's wonderful. I mean, every joke you tell, they think is hilarious. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny. I mean, both of the acoustic shows we did, and the second, you know, so one of them was just me and John. Then, but the second one was even cool, maybe even cooler, because it was at one of those. You know what? This was at your dream theater. It's called the Rep. Okay, and it's by Modica Market in Seaside. And if okay. you're listening, you might know what I'm talking about. Um, it's called the Rep, and it's like a soundstage that's pretty pretty big soundstage. To be honest with you, like you could definitely put on a good play there. And um, and there's maybe sixty seats on the front, and then there's a little balcony. It's probably oh, it, wow. if it was a full house, maybe another twenty, right? So. It's a beautifully sounding room and perfect. So what they do there is they put three different artists together and just throw you up there and have you figure it out. Oh, that's cool. Which was great. So everybody ends up, you just kind of go in a rotation. Uh, but what we do, the, the, the two times we've done it, is that, so we didn't know the other two, um, but uh, what we'll, actually that's not true because Dave Franklin did it and he's a buddy of ours from Atlantis. But, so that was helpful. But we didn't know his songs like intimately or anything. So we ended up just backing them up. Oh, really? Yeah, we just back them up as best we can, you know. So, so uh, and there's kind of a little bit of like that improv stuff that you're talking about. There's a little bit of a, a a trick to that. It's basically like you you watch and you play the chord, you watch their hands and you play the chords you know that they're doing, and you don't play the chords that you don't. See <laughs> right. If you're not it's sure, play nothing. <laughs> just, yeah. Simple as that. If you're not, it, it, it when in doubt, lay out. You know. Yeah. And it ends up working out if you if you do it judiciously and you don't try and like step out, it works pretty well. That's, that's really cool. So that was great. Everything about it was great, man. And like the, 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 you know, and seeing all the other artists, um, probably the best show I saw 
Jason Isbell was great uh, as as always. He was excellent, but uh, my favorite was probably Driving and Crying. Yeah. Honestly, they were just tremendous. Good, you know. Still to this day, I think they're even better mm. than ever. I know. Some oh, that makes me sound, happy to hear. It it, it it frustrates me for people to think that they're not what they are. Just go see those guys. I mean, they've got uh, the Sturgill Simpson's old lead guitarist. I mean, old lead guitarist. You know, it, he he doesn't have lead guitarist now. So, you know, now he's with Driving and Crying. But th- his last three have been Aaron Lee Tasman. Sadler Vaden, who now plays with Isbel, and now Lore, who played with Sturgill, you know, and if that, that these are just top flight, it's a great, great musicians, yeah, who are playing with Kevin and his band, and they are just so great. And what they did in this show was they played probably forty minutes of this new record that I, I had heard was coming out. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan, you know. Um, I'd heard that they had a new, and they played all these new songs, and I'm sitting there with John and his wife, and we're just losing our shit because it's so good. Yeah, and I've never heard it before, but you can tell just like, oh, this is this is great stuff. And then, of course, they launch into Honeysuckle Blue, and the place just explodes. Right, I'm know? sure. And me too. I mean, I was like on my feet. And what, it was a, funny. what a great feeling to know that, you know, just like a few notes of that song, and then like everybody in the audience like is going to stand it, up and yell. It was like that. It was like you imagine the, that, that power, little riff. Oh, yeah. Listeners. The, just that one little riff, and everybody was just exploded. Yeah. Before that, everybody's being polite and sitting down, and I was like, can I stand up? Should I be sitting down? What should I be doing? I really want to stand up, but I don't want right. to be rude. I and, want to support, but I don't right. want to... <laughs> and, then, and then he hits that, and it's like, oh, nobody's being polite anymore. We're all up. <laughs> I love that. I love, it. I love that. Um, so ostensibly, we're, we're here to talk about what we're working on. Right, yeah. And I think that might be an actual a name... I mean, it's still going to be under the Origin Story podcast. Yeah. But I think I'm going to put like a little name. Maybe, uh, maybe what are you working on is the that's not bad is the subtitle. Yeah. Well, we can figure out a better one if we go along. But maybe we'll sure. start with that. Um, so, what are you working on, man? Uh, I think I told you when we did the first one. I've always got a tune. I try to always have a tune, you know, uh, going. Um, and uh, I come down here a lot. Uh, you know, and 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 just play, you know. I'll just I'll just sit down here and play, and and generally I'll play. I'll work on songs that I like want to learn. You know what I mean? Like the other day, it's not even that complicated. Like I, I we listened to Tunnel of Love. Uh, I have it on vinyl upstairs. We were listening to it at dinner, and there were some tunes on there I forgot that I just love so much. You know that the uh, the the Bruce record from the '80s, which is okay. actually my favorite. Bruce record, it, you know, he did it by himself for the most part, uh, but brought in the, uh, he brought in the, the E Street Band and would tell him that they had to be, it, it was the beat, the demo record. He had already done all the songs by himself, <laughs> you know, and with like a drum machine. And he was like, hey guys, just beat the demo, be better than the demo. And they did beat the demo on some, but they didn't beat the demo on no all. No way. That crazy? Well, that's interesting. I know, Bruce, he's the boss, you know. So anyway, so I came down here to play, and uh, and then generally I'll end up just coming up with something, either something that moves me in those guitar parts, you know, and then I'll be like, well, what if I messed around with that, or, or I don't know. Sometimes you'll have, just have something in your head when you're walking around during the day, and you just got to come work it out, yeah. you know. And so well, I think it'd be fun for the uh, for the listeners to see you take a song from, okay, you know, either the very beginning or or just the the first you know wisp of that idea. 
And then to see if we can, uh, or see if we, fuck, fuck we, see if you nah, we. <laughs> can well, turn it into a song. Well, this is what we were talking about. You know, a full deal song. Before we, we rolled tape is about songs and, um, and lyrics. Um, because when I was a younger man, what I would do is I would come up with a chord progression and a chorus that I thought was pretty cool. And then I would be so excited about it that I would try and just, Anything, as long as it rhymed, I was cool with that being the song. You know what I mean? But then, as my tastes have improved, I think, you know, not only as a writer, but as a listener, you know, and just as a a, a, a guy that listens to music all the time, you know, that's not the kind of stuff I like anymore. You know? Well, and as a dude who's older and has a little more, I mean, I, don't, I didn't know you when you were younger, right? but a little more depth is in you sure. know, having a wife oh, or a child. Yes. You know, we'll do that. Depth we'll give you helpful. some depth. Yes, depth <laughs> and that'll, helpful. that'll help songwriting. Yeah, but just having something to say and saying it, you know, uh, but, but, but telling a story. I'm yeah. always about telling a story. So, I, and for... So so now when I get a chord progression to get together, I, I, I wait until I've I've got a story and something inspiring. So so maybe something I'm thinking from your from your novel, you know, and this is kind of what we were riffing on before we started is you know we could think of it as either part of your story or as a soundtrack to your story. You know, I, I, even it doesn't take much sometimes. It, it can be just a mood or a feeling. You know, or like a, a half of a scene or an interaction between a couple of people. And I mean, hell, uh, you know, uh, one of my favorite, going back to Bruce, um, Bruce, that off of that record, which I believe was a hit back then, he was writing nothing but hits, you know, but it's one step up and two steps back. You know, you remember that one? Woke up this morning, my house was cold. Check the furnace, it wasn't burning. It's cool, you know. Uh, unfortunately, the image that popped into my head was of a cartoon cat <laughs> and uh, Paula Abdul to going uh, one step forward and back and opposite subtracting and everything. That's what came into my head. My musical literacy is going to not be as uh, good as yours. <laughs> but, you know, it's probably the same thing. Right. But it's like, uh, let me see. Here. I think it's like... This morning my house was cold Checked the furnace, it wasn't burning Went outside to my old Ford Checked the engine and it ain't turning Giving each other some hard lessons lately But we ain't learning It's the same old story and the same old fight It's one step up and two steps back That I know. That I, that I've heard of. Right. All right. That's familiar. That's so, familiar. And it's there's not much to it. It's just sort of him going through a day as a guy who is unhappy in his marriage. Yeah. Is the is the is the thing, and uh, but but he's just sort of going through his day, and you're in his mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and it's just a beautiful. It's actually a super depressing song. You know? <laughs> Especially if you're married, you're like, oh shit, <laughs> he's at the end of that thing. 
Which is kind of cool because that is what he was doing with that record. I mean, he was just sort of documenting it and just saying what was on his mind. And lo and behold, he did get divorced. I mean, it wasn't a shock. You <laughs> did know? Bruce Springsteen get divorced? Well, this was his first marriage. Okay. Um, and I can't recall her name, but she was an actress. Um, and he moved to L.A. and broke up the E Street Band and moved to L.A. and uh, and uh, and and settled into this new life. And, um, and it wasn't working for him. And uh, so... And all the other guys are back in New Jersey, uh, except for I think Roy Batan is in L.A. So the, the keyboardist. So he started writing these songs, I think, in his just in his house, and had you know whatever like a eight track, sixteen track recording system there. Not probably not much different than what we've got here. And like wrote the album with, and would bring Roy over to kind of help him out, and uh, you know. Uh, uh, and then he brought the rest of the the, the fellas in to to again to to, to beat the to demo. To beat the demo, yeah. But that was sort of where it started, where he broke up that band, you know. Because after I think pretty soon after that record, he broke that band up for a good ten years, I think, before he put them back yeah. together for the Rising. I think is when he put them back together. Do you um, do you want to play a little bit of what you have? Absolutely, or? yeah, and, sure. And then I'll tell you a little bit about what I think the book is going to be. I've never written a novel, okay. but I've read every account of somebody writing a novel. And apparently, you know, not necessarily, just because you think it's going to be A, oftentimes it will not turn yeah. out to be A. It may turn out to be D, C, B, or E. Yeah. But I'll tell you what I think it's about now. Uh, and then if something, you know, anything along the way I think strikes that'll be fun. you, then go with it. Yeah, I you think know? that'll be fun. Why the hell not? Um, so I can tell you how I got to this is that it's it's really as simple as I'm just it's it's a guitar sound that I'm trying to work on and trying to perfect that it, 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 everybody kind of wants to have their own little tone that they have and this is just a thing that it's probably like I'm like a lot of it I I, I probably jump, use my brother's tones as a jumping off point because uh, he's really good at, at I love his tones what can I say <laughs> and he's my brother so I'm allowed to at least borrow from a little bit, but, um, but I think I've added a few things to it. And, um, you know, John hooked me up with this little soul food pedal right here. What does that do? It just sort of dirties up the sound. Uh, it, it just sort of, it's like a distortion pedal, Okay. but it, but it, I don't know. It just sort of gives it a, a nice little grit that I really dig, you know, a swampy kind of a thing. All right. And so I come down here and just dick around with that. And, uh, and I came up with, with this little thing. So I'll, I'll I'll point the mic over to the, the Blues Junior and we'll see how it comes out.
right, so that's enjoyable to listen to just on its own already. So yeah, it's just a little thing. That's cool. It's just a little thing. Yeah. You know? It's got that little got that little that little riff that is in there and yeah. uh that's probably where the melody lies somewhere in there. So uh what I had come up with so far was just like a, a little bit of a like a da 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 just like something that kind of follows the the little riff. Yeah. And uh but uh, but I don't really have anything for it yet, you know. I've got a, I've got a, I've been marinating some stuff, so uh, so I'm all ears, brother. Well, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So I, I you know I don't even remember where the idea came from. I I think it came from I was uh, in a hot tub at a pool. <laughs> that's where all good ideas come from. <laughs> and I maybe had a beverage or two or three or four, <laughs> and I was just supremely happy. I was just looking around and I thought. You know what? I could I could stay here the rest of the day. Like this could be like where I, where I hang out. And I thought, well, what if this was like? Where would I be if this was my last day? Where would I would I would ever have something like that? And I remember thinking I would want uh, all these like fun things around me. Like I'd want like a cooler with like my favorite beer, like totally. my favorite snack or sandwich. Like I would want things from my uh, past that would uh, uh, remind me of how my life was, you know, and that I would just kind of be there. And so I started thinking about that, and the idea of it being the last day kind of struck with me somehow. Can we talk about that real quick? Yeah, of course. What would be in the cooler? What would be in the cooler? Uh, For me, Le Fin de Mon. Which is, oh, you uh, mentioned that when you walked in. Yeah, yeah you're it's really a, it's making a me Canadian want one. beer. It's a Belgian style triple. It'll knock you on your bottom. Uh, it's delicious. It is absolutely That's in the delicious. Cooler. I'll bring some. Uh, What's for lunch next time? You know, I don't remember. I don't remember what I was thinking at the time. Now, and I had an idea for a restaurant that would just be all my favorite foods. Like, like I've I've thought about this way too much, really. Uh, I don't remember. Probably like Taqueria del Sol. Probably. That's I what I was going to probably, okay. probably my lunch. Yeah, let's see. I would have a Willie's burrito for sure. Willie's? Oh man, I love Willie's. No, oh my have. god, you got to have the spicy chick. The, the spicy chicken. That's the key. Yeah, I'll yeah. Check it out. I'm, I'm skeptical. <laughs> but I'll, I'll check it out. I'm telling you. Um, and so somewhere along the way, I thought about. I pictured a scene of a of of what would have happened before going to that hot tub, and it would have been a fight with a girlfriend. Okay. Because like this was a thing that this guy does. He goes out on his birthday, and he reviews his year. That's why he has every has a cooler. He has these things that he's packed to remind him of his year. And the reason why she doesn't want him to go is because there's a very good chance that he will not live to the end of the day because what he does is he analyzes his life and is very brutally honest about whether he has lived up to what his potential expects. Yeah, his potential. As he sees it. Exactly. Yeah. And if he hasn't, then he is supposed to kill himself. Then he kills himself. Now, that's ridiculous teenage melodrama. Melodrama. but that that's okay sometimes. So it, that's that was like the kernel of a something, an idea, and I think I wrote out I think in play form like a two act, like a like just a two hander like that scene in the bedroom of the girlfriend and him and him you know, you know basically saying you know I got to go do this and and lie, yeah. and her not liking it. And then at the same time I started taking this uh, kind of philosophy class, like just like a you know a, a lark kind of like oh let's learn about some of that. 
and we talked a little bit about um, you know the unexamined life that is not worth living the Socratic maxim okay and so those kind of came to mind and somehow along the way I I thought that there ought to be some kind of secret society where the members pledge to do this on their birthday and that's kind of where it's gone so far uh I've been reading a ton of philosophy for like a year and a half. I've been putting off the writing of this for forever to try to plot it out, to try to outline, to try to write, you know, what the equivalent would be of a film screenplay treatment for it. And yeah. I just haven't gotten very far with it. Uh, I either get stuck or get scared. And so what I thought I would do is use you and your inspiration in this podcast to help me get to writing the damn thing. Yeah. And originally what I wanted was a uh, like a first draft by my birthday, which will be July 15th. Just go ahead and start shopping now, people. Um, and already after starting like January 1st on writing, there's no way that's going to happen. Because <laughs> the lesson that I've learned right now already is it doesn't matter what you have in your head. It's when you put it down, pen to paper, or in my case, you know, fingers to a keyboard it's... I don't know. I don't it's got to be really yet. shitty for a while, I think. And you got to... There's some basic decisions that need to be made when you're writing a novel. And, and is this your first novel? First, This is your first Hopefully novel. will be my first novel. I have right. really very little faith in me that I will actually complete it, to be honest with you. Well, but you don't know... Okay, so just to give you a little bit of encouragement here, you don't, I don't think you should lose that deadline just yet, because deadlines are very motivating. Deadlines are incredibly big, motivating. Big fan of deadlines. And number two, you don't know what you're doing yet as far as... like You don't know what's going to happen. I can speak from experience that there are times when you don't have shit and then you go on a roll. Like, I, I, you know, the record we talked about last time, Haraway Brothers, uh, Wish You Luck, Love and Luck in the World. I mean, I wrote some of those songs like within weeks of each other. It was crazy. It was just like the roll of my life. Yeah. It just kept going. I know. Because I had it because you have an idea in mind. And if you have an idea in mind and like a tone or whatever and a sound, you know, you can start to build these in your, you'll just be walking around doing whatever and it's, it's, it's going all the time. So I feel like that might happen for you. You know, it, it totally might. And something writers talk often about like characters taking over a story and, it, and, and for, forever it sounded like bullshit to me. You know, they're like, oh, I'm walking, you know, they, they're writing a, you know, a romantic uh, comedy. So they know the beats you have to hit in a romantic comedy. And they know what the ending of a romantic comedy has to be. So they've got it, you know, there's a roadmap. But they'll talk about like a character just, you know, going into left field and doing something completely different than they thought they were going to do. And it always sounded like bullshit, but it's not because I've had that happen a couple of times now. But the only time that can happen is when you are working diligently and consistently on something to where it is totally in you. Like that's what I love about acting and like directing and producing. Yeah. To be honest with you, is like if you're working on one story or as an actor on one character, you get so into that world, and you have your daily rehearsal and you have your daily work that you see everything through that lens. Yeah, and that's what appeals to me about acting because I get scattered, so I could be in your somebody's focus. world for yeah, four yeah, months yeah. for a rehearsal and, and performances, and then I can leave it and then I can go do something else, and that that is incredibly appealing to me. What I'm trying to do is get into that rhythm with this novel and this story is, you know, I had a word count that I was going to hit every single day. That, that, that blew up so quickly, it was scary. So what my method now that I'm doing, and I'll, you know, I'll let y'all know how it works, because yeah. the whole thing is, 
you know, I look at my week and I have either short, medium or, or large days to work on it. And I assign each day of the week one of those levels. And, and is this word count or is this pages or? It's now it? time. Okay. Because what I found, because the whole deal with the word count is such a beautiful thing because it does, deadlines are incredibly important. They are. And, and word counts are incredibly important. What I found they is are. like, if to, to make the session really great, the word count had to be fairly high and I just wasn't making it. And I'd, so I just started just beating myself up immediately. Just, you know, all the self-doubt, self-flagellation. Right. You know, just, Can I really do this type shit? Yeah. Yeah. And the answer is, is of course I can't. If I could, I would have already done it. <laughs> so like, so that, like the high work count was, so then I went to a low work count, yeah. you know, which would have put me past, you know, the July 15th deadline. But I was like, well, so what? It doesn't matter if it's, you know, as long as it's done eventually. That's right. So I started doing that. But what I found then is that I could just, I could just whisk off like, you know, 300, 400 words that were shitty, which is okay. By the way, the goal is a shitty first draft. That is the entire goal. Right. A completed shitty first draft. I, <laughs> It can suck as bad as anything. Nobody's gonna see that first draft. Nobody's gonna see it. I like it. Nobody's nobody's yeah. these published books you're we you know that we read that we buy in a bookstore, they're that's draft twenty five. Right. So it's okay. With a, probably several editors. Oh com- no. <laughs> yeah. completely. Yeah. Completely. Because that's an art into itself. Oh well, people oh my don't God. realize, right? He's a good editor. And we'll talk hopefully we'll get to a stage where we right. can talk about that. Yeah. It's like a well, it's like a producer. I mean, like it's just it's somebody that can come in and be like, nope, that doesn't need to be here. That doesn't need here. Here, put this here and this here and this here. Yep, now you're good. I'll see, and hopefully we'll get to that stage with this song as well. Right, like, of course. Uh, have that. That's, I mean, that. That's how it goes. Wouldn't that be fun? Uh, hopefully we'll get there. Yeah. So, um, so I, I think I've found the method now, and it's keeping it. That, so I'm doing something on it every day. Mainly, it's I'm dividing it into time. It's like thirty minutes. Or like two hours, or like four hours, depending on what other, you know, what other mess the day is bringing, what other projects have to be done. Yeah, and, you know, taking care of the boy and trying to be a decent husband. Yeah, that kind of stuff. And of course, and a friend to people as well. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of that's kind of where I am. Well, so, maybe maybe a good setup is I played that song. I, I did. I'm completely ambushing you here on on, on while we're recording, but that's part of the maybe fun. That's you why could we're doing it. Do uh, maybe you could read? I don't know some some or some summary or part of it. I don't know. Just, well, I this think is just a thought. I, I like that idea. I like just that a idea. setup, and we'll, that'll be like kind of where we where we're at in this. We're giving them. This is a complete setup. We I give think them the so. Whole backstory. And, and I also wouldn't mind talking over some of the like the basic decisions you have to make when sure. you write a novel like structure yeah point of view please and what i found just in my writing in the little bit that i've been trying to write on this but it's been you know proven in other things that i've written it re- you have to friggin write it and have it be wrong like i'm trying right now i'm i don't know whether this should be told from the point of view of the hero like first person yeah or third person? Or should it be third person from different people's points of view in different chapters? That's interesting. Or if it should be a mixture of the two? And there's also a time element. I so can when, tell you, I, I know this is a completely different form, but I, I, I certainly enjoyed reading the uh, um, the short story uh, book that you put out. Thank you, you know, man. Thanks from, for reading it. Yeah. And, and for playing at the party and all well, that stuff. Well, <laughs> but I liked that 
it was that was what was fun about it. And I, and I like short story books for this reason. Like I, I used to read Eudora Welty. You know, mm. when I, that was my I was an English major at Ole Miss, and uh, that was my that was my major author. Everybody else took Faulkner, and I took. Eudora. I was about to say, I'm sure also Faulkner could, was well, all. Over. Number one, it was crowded, and number two, man, it's hard. I mean, <laughs> Faulkner is. If you've ever read Faulkner. It is not an easy read. So he makes I'm you sorry. Work. It makes just, you work. Yeah. But Eudora is a breezy, easy, great store, Southern storyteller. But anyway, you know, so, uh, so, uh, I, you know, I know, I know where, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. But yeah. So that, so that's something that, and it's not a decision, it's a decision you make and you try it and then it either work or won't. But I think I'm going to have to, you know, spend 20,000 words yeah. trying to see if certain things work. And the other is the structure of time. So originally the idea, mm-hmm. and it was, so our hero, you know, he goes, he collects souvenirs over the course of the year. And each souvenir reminds him of a pivotal thing or moment or event that happened that he's going to be using in his judgment of his life. Yeah. So structure-wise, part of it will take place in the present, him actually at this place going oh, like through that. this. And then flashing back, like let's say he takes out a microphone. Yeah. And then the next chapter or two or three will be telling the story of why that microphone is important that happened earlier in the year. It's the same structure yeah. of the movie Slumdog Millionaire. Did you see that movie? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Now I see exactly where you're going. So to remind yeah. the viewers, wonderful, like, there was wonderful a wonderful movie, actually. There's oh, a. Uh, I love that movie. Yeah, me too. I, I did. Yeah. That movie. Really good one. So, boom. So they ask a question on the Jeopardy thing, and then they flash back, and you see why it's important. Right. And that was based on a novel called Q&A, uh, which I think was written um, by an Indian author. And I read that novel, and I don't know if it was the translation or just the idea of the execution versus the author versus uh, Danny Boyle, who's just, you know, one of the yeah. best directors ever to me, uh, whether it's execution thing, but at the end of, so at the end of the chapter of this book, there, there's like two paragraphs of like, and that's why that was important to the story. You know, it was like, it just, it was, it took this very simple structure, but it just made it so dumb and predictable. Right. So, and like a first swing and a miss with this idea, I took a novel writing class over the Decatur writing studio, which okay. I, which I recommend. Where do they where do they hold that? That is over uh, Church Street near the McDonald's near Los Brazos. Okay, Not, there's like a co there's a co work oh, thing right there. On. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly they what you're talking about. In yeah, that. good years over there. Yeah. Yes, it, yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. And the uh, Mac Apple place to fix your Mac. Yeah. Uh, so I you know as I started talking about this idea, and almost universally the structure idea was just completely panned. So I thought by okay, the other people in the class. Yes, and the instructor were like, "Really? Hey, I mean, not panned like in a yeah, no pan, just pan. There's they, no malice behind the panning. It's they just, just didn't think it was a good idea. Simple as that. Correct. And so I started thinking about the idea of just a you know a straight normal linear novel. But what I decided about a week and a half ago, you know, after writing thousands of words, and was just like, you know, try it. Why not? That was my original idea. That idea still excites me. I like the idea of our hero pulling something out of a chest and like the reader going, oh, it's a jade owl. When we're done here. How the hell does that jade owl fit into the story? I think that's fun. When we're done here, I've got a book upstairs that I'm going to give to you. All right, cool. You, what is you it? probably it's George Saunders. I love George Saunders. Lincoln in the Bardo. Have you I've read? Got, I've got autograph copies. Oh, have you read the whole thing? I, it, I haven't read it yet. I'm, well, okay. So it's 
a just a crazy book yeah. because it, it it it's it's about Lincoln Abraham Lincoln's son uh and he's he's you know he dies he he he, he ends up dying he's he's his young son and so you have and so he's de- it's like purgatory is basically the book is about purgatory and he's sort of in purgatory and everybody's talking about him and he's talking and there's all these different characters and all these different points of view and it is just it's a complete mind fuck to be honest with you to try and get through it i haven't gotten all the way through it yet yeah uh, as evidence as i was about to give it away to you <laughs> <laughs> here i don't want it you read but well it's not that i don't like it it's just so challenging and uh, you know at the end of the day maybe i don't i'm not ready for that kind of a challenge what i like to read i do i do need to read that. and l- listening to george Saunders talk about writing is is Pretty yeah. amazing. So he came to Atlanta, uh, actually a couple of friends of mine. So they hired seven actors to, I think in the audio book, there's like 158 actors that for they, that, they yeah, hire for that book to read it. That's how many points of view you got. Yeah. But this in this reading at the, actually the Highland Inn and Ballroom where we had oh, our Oh, wow. Event. Tremendous. Um, what a great place that is. Yeah. I love that place. Um, he he talked about you know starting off as a writer. And as a writer, you you read a book, you, you see somebody's style you like, and you you imitate their style and what you have is just a stinking load of shit of their style. And your goal eventually is to get to a stinking load of shit of your own style. And, Man. and I don't know what style I'm in yet. I don't know. I think I've written enough to have a style, but it's going to be some kind of style. That is exactly right. YouTube, anything he has written about like artistic that's process and writing, and it'll apply to any artistic or probably any, any, well, that's any the same thing about music. That's exactly what either. you do. It's the exact same thing. You find your favorite guys and you play and then you figure out what you like about the way they write and you, you know, you write some basically some shitty, you know, Springsteen songs as, as you know what I mean? <laughs> or right, some, exactly. some, some crappy Patterson Hood songs or whatever, <laughs> you know, until they become good. Your songs, yeah. you know what I mean. You just keep sh- sh- shaving off the parts that aren't original, right? I mean, none of it's original, but you know what I mean. Like shaving yeah. off, maybe shave off the parts that aren't obvious. How about that? <laughs> yeah, there we go. Exactly. All right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's pretty cool, man. I like that. Yeah. So that's that is that I is like where idea. I am. I think I'm going to stick with that structure. I am playing around writing some scenes in third person from the hero's point of view, some scenes first person from the hero's point of view. And I'm writing some scenes uh, from another character's point of view, third person, so that I can see which one works. You yeah. know, or maybe it is back and forth. You can do that. You know, there's you know, there's lots of rules and advice. You know, and I I completely agree that you have to learn the rules in order to break them. But if you haven't learned the rules and you haven't practiced them, you don't know them in your body and soul. You don't haven't earned the right to break them yet. Right. And so part of what this first draft is going to be is me earning the right to whatever the hell I want. But the bottom line is it's just either it works or it doesn't. It's that simple. I don't need it to be literary. If it is amazing. Great. Is it completely genre? Fine. Amazing. Great. Just, is it a story that works? Well, we've talked about a lot about, about this, Michael, you know, as much as you want it to be, you know, and we talked about it with this podcast today, you know, it could, it could be, it's not necessarily, is it going to be like some massive success? Obviously, that's what everybody wants with their creative stuff. I mean, there's no question that you want to be completely and wonderfully ambitious about all of it. I mean, I think every album I've ever made in the middle of it, I've been like, oh, this is going to be 
this, people are going to love this when they hear that this is going to be the thing that like whatever gets on a movie or gets on Pandora or oh, yeah. or gets on XM radio or whatever it is. Like I've always had that moment of being like, this is fucking great. You right. know what I mean? And then the record comes out in a few, you know, <laughs> and, it's it's, so... and it's great. And I know it's cool. <laughs> and my friends and family know it's cool. And, the, and there's a few, there's a small audience and that's cool. But then it, you know, kind of, yeah. it's the way it is. I but think we'll be coming back to this theme pretty often. Does actually. it change the fact <laughs> that it, that, it, it's in the world. It just doesn't. Right. You know what I mean? And it's out there and you did the best you possibly could. And well, I think something to that. I think know? the finding, I think we should, let's, let's, let's give it a shot right now and then let's wind up. Cause I think we want to yeah. keep these things probably about an hour. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so what, what, what defines success for you and this idea of this song defines success for what this podcast would be. And I'll do the same. Uh, or if you okay. want to go first, since I thought of the question, that would be less, <laughs> okay. less well, jerky success, of me. Success for, uh, I, I can tell you that uh, I, have, I have a set of songs. Um, and right now, they're, they're, I think it's about seven now. If, and I'm going to go ahead and count this one because, it's, we're, because I have full confidence that we will complete it. Outstanding. How about that? So we'll call that one number seven. And... I don't know what it's going to be yet, but um, you know, last time I did this, I ended up with that Haraway Brothers record. But this time, I really want to uh, make it like a, a full-on Sundogs record with all the guys and demo them down here and to and show them to them, let them learn them on their own, demo them here, and and have it. And 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 luckily, we are having a little bit of a late career moment for whatever reason. Uh, that 30A festival has been a major help. Uh, doing all the petty stuff has been a major help. But we are getting more people. And honestly, it's just as simple as just having a good product when you're out doing these shows that a lot of people are at for them to have and have it be a, like, a, like one that, is, that, that has been freshly recorded and is good. And really, that's about where I'm at. Like, just that. And if you could sell... I don't know, 15, 20 of those a night, you know, and you keep playing and you keep selling that, that music that we just did. And it started right here and we did it, you know what I mean? And like, yeah. I did it in my basement and it birthed into this album. And now we are out playing in Florida or South Carolina or just up in Alpharetta and Decatur. And that, that record is getting out to people. That's almost enough for me for, uh, as far as like looking at, a goal. That's yeah. a, that's a good enough goal. I love my life. So like this is just like in addition to, I don't know, just whatever you want to call it, like a little whiskey in the coffee, maybe. I don't yeah, know, you know. Uh, I I love that. I absolutely love that. And I think and for me, uh, success for this will be a shitty first draft. A shitty you know, first if draft. If I actually complete a shitty first draft, I will consider. Do that I get? Do I get to read a victory? It? Uh, certainly, eventually. Okay. I'm not sure if you'll get to read the shitty first draft. Well, how many? But, but you get, might. <laughs> how many people get to read the shitty first drafts? I'm just curious. When you do the oh, well, this is your first one. This but, will be my first right, one. My okay. guess is uh, nobody right. will read the first shitty draft. <laughs> I like that. But I will. Then I will do a second shitty <laughs> shitty draft, and then I'll probably bring in like an editor, you know, professional, hire a professional editor to help me, you know, get it into shape. Yeah. But, uh, all right, so. I don't want to use the word homework, but I think we just, we have some work to do. I love it, man. We have work to do. So I had an idea. What if we ended, uh, 
and, and we'll uh, well I'll end this one with a tune, and then maybe next time you end it with I don't know a passage. Oh, I love of that. Some kind, you know what I mean? I I think that is a thing that's outside. So you, the whole love and luck thing. Yeah, that would be my sign off if I were you on for okay. everything. That's fine. Not not the song. I mean, the song's awesome too. But like just that phrase, like I would be like, you know, that would be my trademark. Thing. It's so good. I well, thanks. It. I appreciate that. You know, it is. Uh, well, you know, we'll, we'll go ahead and do that. That makes sense to do since we're talking about it. But 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 that's 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 one off that Hairway Brothers record, and uh, it was so cool because like it's very weird to have a dream about a song but I legitimately had a dream where Willie Nelson and I were writing a song together like it was a, a real dream I mean you, we've all had these dreams this was a dream that happened and Willie and I were sitting there he had the braids the full Willie experience in my dream are y'all with guitars or is somebody at a piano like I, what's I how, think, you, was it that clear I think or not? he had a guitar I'm not sure if I did but we were sitting there. I might have. I, in the, but we were sitting there, and we were writing a song together. That was the dream, which is a great dream. Yeah, I'm you like, know, we're writing a song together, and like we came up with like a few words, and, and it was like old. And it, I, I remember because I, I woke up and tapped him out on my phone. And it was old words come through like a blade was one of them. And I was like, that is weird as shit. And I don't know where that came from, but I love it. Yeah, I love know? that too. Uh, and that sort of just made the rest of it, you know. Uh, and uh, I, I was, I, I had convinced, and then I read enough books about that happening to Keith Richards or whatever, which is hilarious, but he does a lot of heroin, so who knows where that came from, <laughs> or at least he did, you know. But, uh, but you know, I, I knew it was special, so I was just going to go with it, you know. I knew it was cool, you know. So anyway, uh, I wrote it within... A weekend so what i'll do is maybe back this mic up all right and i'm going to turn off mine and so take us out everybody thanks so for listening the idea is to to get to this place I see just relaxing the song can begin be strong and guard the castle of life be honest and stay up all night Sing loud and mean what you say And Willie Nelson will show you how to play And when you wake up from your dream And find nothing is as it seems And you're feeling awful And wonderful Remember life is sweet And I wish you peace And all the luck And love in the world I wish you luck And love in the world
But you'll find that that's a better place to start No, the dawn is just past the horizon You'll always have a place here in my heart In my heart dream and find nothing is as it seems and you're feeling awful and wonderful remember life is sweet and I wish you peace and all the luck and love in the world I wish you luck and love in the world I wish you love and luck in the world